Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Perth to Paisley podcast. Hart Midlothian kicked off their 2021-22 season with a Premier Sports Cup victory over Peterhead. And I, Adam Kennedy, is here to dissect the victory alongside Daniel McIver as always. How are we, Mr McIver? I'm doing very well, I'll be totally honest. I've had a very, very good footballing weekend because I'm representing them. Copa America went very, very well. Colombia, who I'm wearing, because that's right, there's a visual element to the podcast now, remember. You can see me in the Colombia kit. They finished third. However, Argentina won, which meant that Lionel Messi has finally won an international trophy. Then Hearts won, which was class. And then Italy won. It was the best weekend ever. And I got a PS5 ordered from Angela Ballantyne, who's a Hearts fan as well. It's just been class. How are you? Listen, mate, I could not have summed up the weekend any better than that. I think your chronological order was a wee bit off. Hearts won first and foremost, and then it gradually just went a little bit downhill after that. But uh, no, obviously, Chuffer Argentina, my man Messi. Even, even the tennis, I watched Novak Djokovic, who's oh, literally Christ. a doppelganger of my uncle Drew, claim another Wimbledon title. Um, and then, obviously, we had last night and all the chaos that it brought. So, no, that was... It was up there in terms of a football weekend, yeah. wasn't it? But yeah. of course, we are here to discuss the mighty jam tarts who take the forefront of our football weekend, first and foremost. Um, 2021-22 season kicked off. Peterhead, away to the blue tune, kicking off the, the Premier Sports Cup group stage campaign. Um, and it was a 2-0 victory. It was pretty routine, wasn't it, on the whole? That is the best word you could have possibly used. A routine, professional performance that is expecting of a premiership side versus a third-tier side. But, to be honest, still a wee bit surprising because it is us. And the (laughs) last time we went there, it didn't go like that. So, yeah, definitely chuffed with that. What about you? Were you expecting that kind of performance? Um, yeah, I, I was expecting that type of performance, to be honest. I, I had 3-0 on the pod last week, so had we had our shooting boots on a, a little bit more, um, I might have been bang on. But no, I think we were we were thoroughly dominant, weren't we? I don't think Peterhead had a shot on target in, in, in the entire 90. So as professional a start as, as we could have hoped for, really, um, Hearts lined up as follows for the, the trip up north. It was Craig Gordon in goal. I don't know about you, right? But I it looked a sort of three four three to me, yeah. As opposed to, so I know there was sort of various shouts about formation and what have you, but the way I interpreted it anyway was Craig Gordon in goal, back three of John Souter, Craig Halkett, and Stephen Kingsley with Michael Smith on the right, uh, debutant Alex Cochran on the left, with Aaron McInniff and Peter Haring in the middle of the park, and Josh Janelli and Gary Mackay Stephen either side supporting Liam Boyce up front. Is this our test, or is this our possible strongest eleven for you? Oh, that's an interesting call. I didn't think you were going to ask me that. I thought <laughs> you were going to ask me about the formation. Um, currently, probably yeah. I'm trying to think of anybody else who could be in. I mean, the midfield. I guess some people will make arguments about the midfield too, but I would still say hearing McNeff or. The two I'd want, I'd want Janelli out wide right, obviously. Boyce is strongest. I, I guess the only person that you could say is, would Nandwili fit in? But then it means that you have to change formation and drop one of the front 
in this case three. So I don't, and obviously the way the game went, those three did very well. Janelli less so, but just because it was a quieter game for him. But it probably is the, the strongest. A lot of that, I think, is down to the fact that I'd probably prefer a different centre-half to Halkett, but we don't have one. So it's like, um, currently, that is the strongest squad. I'd maybe like us to improve that. But generally, if we lined up with that team, for example, against Celtic at the end of the month, I don't know who else you'd put in and go, they would make it stronger. No, I hear that. I mean, the formation, obviously, you were surprised I didn't ask you about that. Do you think we'll see a lot more of the three at the back then? And do you think that potentially us moving forward, us, you know, looking for a couple bodies, we are sort of catering for the potential to have a three at the back and switch it up? Or do you think that Robbie will be more set in his ways with this 4-2-3-1 malarkey still? No, I, I do actually think we'll see more of this. When Cochrane signed, Nielsen made it very clear that I think he said three different formations, which... I know you're kind of like a 3-4-3 is very similar to a 3-5-2. Like you literally just need to drop one player into the middle and the other wide player up with Boyce and you've got a 3-5-2. That's what I was going to say about Big Nando. Sorry to cut you off when you were just going to say about that. I would then probably deem it more likely that Josh Ginelli, uh, to me anyway, Gary McKay-Steven seems a lot more comfortable at a 10 than Ginelli does. Mm -hmm. That's fair. I think with the variety or sort of the only variety that then comes from that is GMS at 10 and Boyce and Nando up top. But There um, is also the element of, in the last five, speaking about the three in the back, we changed to the three in the back in the last kind of five-ish games towards the end of last season. Or It was basically when Heron came in properly and Suter came John back. Suter as well, yeah. Yeah, we, we changed to the three at the back and it worked. Um, we're currently, I think it was after this weekend, we're now six clean sheets in a row. We've still not conceded with Suter and Herring in the first team as starters. Um, the three at the back does do really well, but then going forward, Boyce kind of seems to drop into the 10 when we played the three, at least at the end of last season. Obviously, on Saturday, we didn't play that formation, so Boyce was the striker. Uh, he spoke after it about how he likes that, but Boyce actually worked really well in the 10 with Nandwili, and that's when GMS was moved far more centrally as kind of the second striker alongside Nando. And it really worked. Like, that's when GMS in those last three games really kind of looked like Gary McKay-Steven for the first time in 18 (laughs) games. Um, But I think that's... It's a massive positive that I don't think a lot of Hearts fans, ourselves included, realised we had. I think a lot of the time, for most of last season, we kind of thought, right, Boyce has to play as the focal point striker, and then we have to work out who plays off him. But just bluntly, Boyce is so good, he can do so many roles, and one of those roles is dropping deeper, picking it up, and then playing it off. And as a result, it allows the flexibility of formations to not necessarily have to disrupt the actual starting eleven. You can keep the starting eleven pretty similar, but be able to play so many different formations out of that eleven. There's different kind of alterations that come with that in a positional sense then yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd probably go along with that. I mean, you mentioned Gary McKay, Stephen there. I feel as though this is going to be a really big campaign for Gary McKay, Stephen. And I think he's got off to an ideal start. I thought he was excellent at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, in that first half, 
whilst there wasn't a lot of action, he was probably at the heart of it, first and foremost for me. Um, I think the earliest chance he sort of takes one round the keeper and blazes over from a tight angle. I know Liam Boyce had a couple efforts that were either, you know, wide or blocked. Um, and then GMS looked as though he was he was going to win a penalty for us. But of course, Hearts would take the lead after 31 minutes, just after the half hour mark, through Gary Mackay, Stephen. Um, a long ball, a long, really aimless ball from Stephen Kingsley um, finds GMS, who seems to sort of flick it onto himself, bizarrely. Um, and then obviously drives into the box, sends it a low effort beyond the onrushing keeper. And like you say, this is the GMS that we've been crying out for. I know it's Peterhead. I know it's the first game of the season. But, and I said it on Aaron's stream when I was on with him at the weekend, toward the end of the championship season, he did seem as though he was really coming into his own. And hopefully pre-season and now this sort of League Cup or these League Cup fixtures, I should say, should see him gradually returning back to his best, hopefully. Yeah, 100%. I think he was kind of far and away, barring Smith, our best player at the weekend. Um, he did just seem to be able to create stuff from nothing, which is often the tagline that has floated around with Gary McCaskey for most of his career. He's the type of player that can just take a ball and you think nothing's going to happen. And he does a flick, he does a turn, and you're suddenly in. And I, I do get your point when you're saying it's only Peter Head, but on the flip side of that, he wasn't doing it against teams like Aloha and Morton last season. but it, So it's almost irrelevant who the opposition is. It's just the fact he's now doing it. Like, he, as we said in the last few games, particularly against Inverness and Wraith away, he really started to come into his own. The best possible thing, as you said, was for him to get a goal in this game. I think generally his performance, I would have been happy with him without a goal because I just thought for the 70 minutes, roughly, he was on the park. I thought he did really well, but the goal just, it did add to it. And it very much was exactly the type of goal you want Gary McKay Stephen to be scoring, where if you watch the highlights back, you can actually hear Boyce getting annoyed at him the more and more he doesn't pass. Because <laughs> I think Boyce is just like, you're, there's no way you're going to be able to score this, so you need to play it back to me. But I think the big word is confidence. I don't know if Gary McKay Stephen would have had the confidence to do that in his first wee while at us but since he's really kicked on in the last few games of the season he's actually had a pre-season now well he's in the middle of a pre-season and it's been able to just kind of go oh yeah I do have that ability and he actually is starting to show it which is class I was going to ask you exactly that I, I think it is all down to confidence for for Gary McKay Stephen to be honest I think his goal I don't think there's actually a great there's a great deal on for him I feel as though mm, yeah. he sort of feels as though he's got to take matters into his own hands or, in this case, feet. Um, and, listen, I think the the growth in confidence, there's no danger that the GMS that we first signed would go and do that. Mm. So it, I think as matches go by, as contributions come, it just seems to be growing in confidence and stature. And I think he could be a really big player for us this season. I, I wanted to ask you, because it's just something that I've thought of sort of spontaneously and off the spot. To me, he's a type of, he's a bums off seats type player. Mm -hmm. Who do you think was the last player that we had that sort of fits under that category? Milinkovic, probably. 
Well, see, I'd forgotten about Milinkovic. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, as I, I had David Templeton in my head. Temps, as well. is, Temps is absolutely one of them because he came after the kind of well, obviously, he was part of that team in 2012 and stuff like that. He was a bit part of player, but it was kind of the next season where he really came into his own. But I guess you could say Janelli was last season for the wee bits that we saw of him, but I don't think you can count them really because it was so little. I know he did so much in that short time, but it was a wee a wee bit of it. But I might I, I might be being harsh here and forgetting someone in the time frame between Milinkovic and GMS now, but I, I totally get what you mean. We're, we've been crying out for them for quite a while, basically. That, that, that was my exact point. You know, it, it has been a rarity. And I fully think Gary Mackay-Steven is exactly that. I think with regards to that conversation, do you think Janelli is probably not included just because of the calibre of opposition or is that too harsh? No, I think that is definitely fair. Milinkovic was doing it against Celtic and Hibs and stuff like that, whereas Janelli... In fairness, though, Janelli did it against Celtic in the Scottish Cup final. True, true. Like, he did it, but obviously the... The general reason we didn't Hearts fans weren't clamoring for Janelli to be signed just because of that Celtic game. It was because <laughs> no. of the season he had. So listen, I do think there is a point to that. I do think there is an element of the fact of going, right, we would like to see you do it at the level that we should be at. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubts that he'll be able to if he's fit. Like if he's fit and ready to go with his nice new hair. His hair was mental. He seems to have a different haircut every single time he appears. I feel like I've never seen him play two games consecutively where he's got the same hair, and I'm all for it. It's part of the reason he's here. Part of the reason I love him. I'd sign him for the hair alone, to be honest. That gets you off your seat. He's here. <laughs> I was going to say, if the barnets keep changing whilst the goals and assists are constantly arriving, then, then I'm all for it. What um, a trifecta. That's, the, that's what it is, do you know? <laughs> yes, goals and assists are class, but you need to be changing the hair as well because it's top quality so far. We've seen one game and I'm in love. <laughs> of course, Hearts would grab their second goal just before the hour mark. Um, do you know what? Talking about this game, I know that we're going to touch on the performance on the whole and that it was, you know, thoroughly professional, routine, you know, all that jazz. But the actual game itself, not a great deal happened. And to be honest, this is what this is where kind of the debate comes in that would you rather results or entertainment? And whilst it would be great to ideally have both. I think in this campaign, I'm leaning towards results. Definitely. Whereas last season, I was probably more entertainment. Yeah, that's that's fair because a lot of last season, it was expected that the results are just going to come because it's hearts in the second tier. This, I, I was, it's funny. I was saying that to my mate actually at the weekend because he was saying the exact same thing. It was like, listen, don't know if it was quite at the standard. It's like I viewed that as just. We said it last week. Robbie Nielsen doesn't give a fuck about these games, right? He is just like, this is also preseason. He he just views it as we should be winning these games anyway. That's the benchmark. So therefore, just get fitness into your legs. I'm not really that bothered about performances, just especially just now when everybody it was our first competitive game. I know we've played a bunch of friendlies, but they're friendlies. Like, who gives a shit? This is our first real test. And we just, as you said, I don't think Peter Head had a shot on target. We never looked like conceding. Incredibly professional. But on the whole, as a season, 
No one's. I, I say no one. They did complain the last time it happened. I would take third, but playing like shit every week. But it meant we got third because then next season you can go right. We can build on that. We've got to third right now. We shouldn't drop in quality, but let's improve the actual performance. But after the past few seasons we've had, where we've been playing shit and not getting results, I'd like to play like shit but get results and go end up back where we should be. And the weekend was all about sort of minutes in the tank mm-hmm. and, you know, it is, it's, it's preparation for, for what's to come. But, of course, I, I was alluding to it there that Hearts would double their lead through Liam Boyce, who... Had a couple chances within the game, but probably deservedly grabbed his goal in the end. Um, Peter Haring, who I also thought was exceptional, sends a, a long effort over the top for the overlapping Michael Smith. Centres for compatriot boys, who has the simplest of tasks. And I think we, we've, we've touched on GMS and sort of his contributions coming early and why that's a good thing for Liam Boyce to grab his first goal of the season in the first game as well. It's a superb start, isn't it? He said, uh, I think it was yesterday, that previously in past seasons, he's been really rubbish in pre-season friendlies, but then always kicked on and started really well. However, this campaign, he's been getting goals in pre-season, so he was worried that the reverse was going to happen (laughs) and he'd start off and not get a competitive goal for five games. However, 100%, He's just our best player just now in terms of importance. Like, if Boyce plays well, the team tends to play well. If the team plays shit, Boyce is usually still playing quite well. Like, he's our focal point going forward. As I said, whether it's in the 10 in a 3-5-2, whether it's with a partner, or whether it's on his own with wingers coming off him, he just seems to be able to do everything. Obviously, his goal wasn't this incredible finish from his perspective. It was... Typical poacher's finish, wasn't it? 100%. Like, he knew the position the ball was going in, got himself into that space. But you still need to score there. Like, GMS missed one identical to that at Tynecastle last season. Like, they are... You can miss them very easily. Getting that goal so early, it'll do wonders for his confidence, settle any nerves that he might have had going, oh, I've went a couple of games without a goal yet. And speaking about Herring as well and Smith, I think it, it was the best move of the game, without a doubt. Like the pass from Herring after being able to control it and kind of just bully the midfield, which he did all game, was amazing. And the pass he makes to Smith is incredible. It was really good, I think, to see Smith playing in that wing back role. And I think that move was the pinnacle of it. He just, again, like Boyce, just knew if he made the run, Hearing was going to find them the simplest of passes across the box. It's exactly what you want. Put it into that danger area because if a defender touches it, it could go in, it goes out for a corner. Oh, uh, Boyce gets it. I, that was the goal that really filled me with confidence in a weird way because I was like, look, clearly there is a blueprint for us being able to make moves like that. There's no excuse that we can't be able to do that. And we also touched on the fact that whilst Peterhead weren't all that threatening, there's still always that bugbear that hearts aren't to the good. You know, mm-hmm. they're still firmly in the game despite having created nothing at 1-0. So that ultimately did just kill off the tie completely, didn't it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, we're speaking obviously about results versus performance and how there should be a blend of two, but what would you take? 
last season showed us, particularly in cup games, the result is all that matters. It doesn't matter how you get to the next round or how you get the result. You just need to do it. And last season exemplified that even more because we got knocked out both cups by part-time teams. So I get, listen, I saw a lot of people saying that 2-0 against Peterhead isn't good enough. I disagree. A win is a win. It was. I don't think 2-0 tells the story either. 2-0 kind of implies that it, oh, maybe touch and go that Peterhead could have got back into it. As I say, Peterhead just, it, it should have been much more. But I'd much rather we're just kind of calmly and professionally beating these weird teams that we should be doing but haven't felt the confidence to do for a couple of years now. And given that we didn't last season. Um, I, I think 2-0... Just, just summed it up, you know, pretty comfortable, routine. I mean, I look elsewhere. I mean, the Premier Sports Cup kicked off on Friday night. There was Kelty Hearts, yep. you know, just just coming into League Two, and Dundee United scraped past them 1-0 with a late Lauren Shanklin goal. So, yep. you know, it's bizarre. I think would folk then be Slayton United? These, these same folk that aren't all that convinced by hearts. You know, for me, it's just a case of, like I said earlier, minutes in the tank, job done, we move on. Yep, 100%. Kelly only beat East Kilbride 2-0. There like, you go. There's that, but I, I didn't see a lot of Kilmarnock fans getting up in arms. If it was in the league and they were, like, really struggling and somehow they played East Kilbride, for example, in the Scottish Cup, if somehow East Kilbride get to that third round when Premiership teams come in and kill, we draw them and you go, and it's a Brora Rangers situation with us. Like that's justified because you're, it's around halfway through the season at that point. There's no excuse at that point. There's but, competitive fixtures either side and whatever in your sort 100%, of 100%. Yeah. In full flow. But this, all three of those Premiership teams, oh, well, Kelly on their Premiership team anymore. But, that was a genuine, but that sounds like I'm just <laughs> trying to wind up killing fans. I promise you. That was me just going. I did oh, wonder when you'd pick up on that. I was like, he does know that there's sort of that disparity between killing the championship and non-league East Kilbride as well. But it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> the point generally Dundee is... got promoted, by the way, mate. I don't know if you missed that. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> These teams are just using this. To be blunt, I know it's a lot of people say it's disrespectful. I saw a couple of people saying it's disrespectful the way Hearts are treating these games and the way particularly Robin Nielsen makes no bones about the fact <laughs> he doesn't care about this competition. Um, but to be blunt, yeah, that's why we're in the... It's an embarrassment we're even in the competition this early. It's shit. <laughs> and I, I never want to worry about playing Peterhead again and watching... Cy Ferry run about a park for 90 minutes. I never want to see it again. So we got out of there. We got the win. We got the clean sheet. Done. The, the, the only positive that I take from this kind of cup campaign or the, the group stage, if you like, is sort of ticking grounds off the list. And yet that <laughs> that obviously hasn't come for a wee while. So Yeah, we can't even do that. <laughs> it's an absolute nonsense. Yeah. Um, I think looking at the 90 on the whole, I mean... I was clutching at straws when I was watching the highlights back in preparation for this, kind of trying to fathom out sort of clear-cut chances, and there just wasn't a great deal, was there? I think we could have, could have won another day, grabbed a couple more, but you know that's just that's just nitpicking for the sake of nitpicking, isn't it? 
really. Yeah, definitely. The main thing I wanted to say was, I thought Friendly Pollock came on and again, didn't look out of place. Like he just came on, did what he had to do. I saw a bunch of the Peter Head players try to get in his head and wind him up. And he just like, he didn't look bothered at all. He didn't do anything special, but he didn't do anything wrong. No, no, and and this is where it'll be interesting sort of going further on because say we beat Cove Tuesday night, which, let's be frank, we should, mm-hmm. then are we more likely to see youngsters against the mighty Sterling Albion? Yeah, Potentially, having, having got six from six or whatever? I think that's pretty fair. Robbie has hinted, we'll get into it towards the end, that there will be a couple of changes against Cove, but not too many. It's still going to be generally a very strong team that was similar to the one that played or at least started against Peterhead. I do think that's pretty fair though. We'll probably just look to go. We did it last season and weirdly enough, the team that was filled with the kids was actually the best performing team. So it's Wraith Rovers, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it might continue like that. I do think Robbie will just use these final few games to go right, get his as many minutes as possible in as many legs because it shouldn't matter who we field, we should be able to win every game. No, definitely. And of course, one player that was involved against the Blue Toon and is now in search of a club clean sheet record is our new club captain, Craig Gordon. Um, of course, prior to the Peterhead match, he was confirmed as skipper. I could see that you're not particularly pleased. I wonder, is that because a particular or a certain Frenchman wasn't given the armband? Is that why you're sort of disappointed? I had printed leaflets. I've got banners on the go. I was going to be getting you to take them to the game against Cove. (laughs) Some bunting. I had everything. Party hats, wee cakes with his face on it. What, (laughs) What does the moor have to do? Like, it's a shambles. It's an absolute shambles. Well, this is where I was going to ask you, was Craig Gordon the only logical choice? Because we could have... No, Demur was. Demur was the only logical choice. (laughs) Northern Ireland international Michael Smith, John Souter. French under-19s international Luke Demur. I don't know if he represented... I don't know if he represented the under-19s. I'm guessing he did. Well, one man that obviously disagrees with you with regards to Lloyd Demure potentially being Hearts' new captain was Robbie Nielsen. And he said, um, obviously with confirming Craig Gordon as captain, that we spoke to the players and Craig will be the captain for the coming season. Last season, I thought he did really well. He's got brilliant experience, great leadership capabilities, and he's played at the highest level for a long, long time. Obviously, he came through the Hearts Academy system as well. I'm delighted to have him as the captain this season, and I'm sure he'll do well. He's very popular. He leads by example. He's been over the course in football for a number of years, played at the highest level, played international and still playing international. He went away to the Euros, which was great, and we hope he continues to play at that level for us for a number of years. I think it's always good to have the guys further back that can communicate with Craig and his leadership skills you can see it about the place he's a top character and he's definitely earned the job as captain for the club does like Demur come into that bracket for you yes look at him <laughs> he's a god amongst men a hero a man who will take a game by the scruff of the neck and control it I saw him do it against the mighty Spartans who by the way are in the pyramid the Lowland League and Highland League is in the pyramid. Last week you said they won in the pyramid, so, and I wait. got multiple messages from Lowland League fans <laughs> going, "What is this blasphemy and lives?" So 
First of all, I want an apology to the Lowland League. No, I, I'm not giving them an apology. Surely that's the... How dare you? No, is that, not, is that not the equivalent to the conference in England? That that's doesn't not, matter. It's still in the pyramid. It still okay. counts as being in the football pyramid, just not the league pyramid. Okay, so it's not in the football league pyramid. Yeah, it's a very important distinction there. Okay, <laughs> in, okay. I, I can see they're in the Scottish football pyramid. There you go. However, right. not, so not therefore, that is evidence enough that Loic Demur should be captain. <laughs> so, sorry, little league fans. You should be um, sorry. Right, listen. I'll take I'll take my Loic Demur hat off. Right. I think if if Lloyd Demur wasn't to be captain, the best choice. I, I don't can't believe I'm still hearing this shenanigans from you. Well, now he needs to be vice captain. We've got this apparent <laughs> leadership circle. He needs to be head of that. So he's reporting to Craig, right? That's <laughs> the situation. Craig Gordon is obviously the only other choice, barring Lloyd Demur. I don't like your attitude towards this. I really don't. I need to be taken seriously. This campaign has been mocked from start oh, to finish. I just, I just can't believe where Lloyd Demers has come from. He's honestly. come from obscurity to heroic status on the back of one preseason campaign. Right? How many folk can say that? Not many. So therefore, he deserves the respect. Craig Gordon will give him the respect as captain. I think Craig will do very, very well. I know a lot of people don't like goalies as captains. I think Myself we mentioned it. Yeah, we mentioned yeah. it last week. I'm kind of in that camp as well. But Craig Gordon, much like many things within Hearts, <laughs> is just like the exception. We don't care. Craig Gordon can do anything he wants in his life and Hearts fans will go, aye, but it's Craig Gordon, so we'll stand by him. It, he's a staple of the club's history, isn't he? Really? Yeah, so, 100%. I like, mean, he's, he's so what's lame. it matter? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He literally could be like <laughs> eighty-five in the next few years. Few years—that's a bit harsh on him. Quite a few years. <laughs> wow. Quite a few years, and I'd still go. He can do a job. Like, just get him. <laughs> it's fine. He might have a walker and stuff like that, but he could still probably be better than Joe Correa. Let's be honest with ourselves. <laughs> there he is with his Zimmer frame. Exactly, the, and still having the gorgy stand. Still having better reflexes than the cat. The fucking that pisses me off so much. He's a kitten, isn't he? Yes, exactly. <laughs> that oh, the fact that that was his nickname, and he couldn't fucking move. Is it was a cat that had no legs or arms, and it was just a heat. Twenty bags a week, supposedly at Man United as well. We can't keep focusing on that. We've got Craig talk, Gordon. Talk back. about stealing a living. Well, Craig Gordon himself said. For the second time, it's a big honour. Everyone knows I grew up a Hearts fan. To come to the club to play for them was always a dream. To add on top of that, winning a trophy and getting the captaincy, it's been fantastic to come back here and achieve what we set out to achieve. Now on top of that, to have the captaincy going forward, it's a huge honour for me. It's come full circle. When I left here, I was captain. I don't even know how many years ago that was, but it was a while ago. To come back as a special place, it's always a club I've looked out for no matter where I've been. It's fantastic to get back here and to take that role on and try and improve and add my experience to the younger players coming through and try and help the guys around about me. That's the stage of my career I'm at now. It's going to be a very enjoyable part of the last few years that I have left to do that and help some of the younger boys come through. The, the obvious choice. I think he speaks really well as, as kind of the, the ideal candidate there, doesn't he? He's a very good ambassador for the club, kind of generally in media as well. Like, Do you think he's the future Gary Locke? 
Yes, 100%. <laughs> Craig Gordon's the future Gary Locke. That's such an apt title for him. I don't know how happy Craig Gordon would be with that title. I guarantee Gary Locke would love that title. And that <laughs> needs to be sent to Gary Locke. He will be buzzing with that. He better do it. That now needs to be a thing. Folk, just get in contact with Gary Locke and tell him Craig Gordon is the future you. Don't give him context. Just say that as a statement and see what he does. I've got Lockie's number. I'm going to send that yeah. on to him. Yeah, do it. Don't give him any context to it. Just literally go, Craig Gordon's the future you. Full stop. Leave the message at that. Block the number. He never gets back to you. And he's just perpetually puzzled by this random statement <laughs> on him. But it's like... That's I get what you mean by that because he is very much just Mr. Hearts in many ways, like that phrase that's always banded about. I know, and I kind of hate that phrase, <laughs> but he's Mr. Hearts in an actual physical, like real way because he's come through the academy as a Hearts fan, he's captained the club twice, record sale, record sale, and he's won a trophy with us. Like, there's no many players that can say all of that together and still have years left in the tank at the top level so I'm delighted for him I know a lot of people we both said it we would have liked Michael Smith as well to have it like but I think I think players like Suter Smith Demur Boyce will be in that like stop laughing I can't believe you're still pushing this narrative man they will all be in this leadership circle thing I just honestly, I I just can't believe that this Lloyd Demure patter is just gonna keep keep going on throughout the season. This is where he plays no competitive games, bar the Premier Sports Cup, isn't it? He's not even fucking played in that yet. That's another cameo against Peter Head. And granted, I know that we're tuning up and probably searching more goals. So <laughs> him coming on, like we don't need to shore things up against a side that finished seventh in League One last season, do we? Oh, he should have made an appearance. It's terrifying, mate. He better start. Obviously, this goes out on Tuesday the 13th. He better be start. I need him to start tonight because I need your first game oh, at no. Downcastle. I, I knew you were going to say that. To be a Demure masterclass. I need that to happen. Please. Please, Robbie Nielsen. Just put, even if he's not in your plans, just start, It's Cove. Come on. <laughs> just do it. But yeah, Craig Gordon. <laughs> Craig Gordon was the great choice, yeah. <laughs> even though even though you're adamant that it should have been Lloyd Demure. It should have been. You know, it's funny we're, we're on about Lloyd Demure, but I didn't see him amongst the the squad number list. Is is he on there? Do not do this to me live on air. That oh he's no, not he is. Going... Oh, yes, he, he, he is. I've just I've just gone on the graphic because for those that obviously might have missed it, Hearts did release their squad numbers, um, and I was just going to run through them despite how dull and tedious this may be but oh squad numbers are class i love squad numbers it's one of those tiny little trivial things that the vast majority of people don't like see if you play noteworthy, football manager but see if you play football manager i was gonna say exactly squad that numbers. or or fifa like it yeah. has to all be arranged for me mm-hmm. I, i'm in that I, it's it's ocd kicking in but of course looking at the numbers there's a couple noteworthy ones that are missing, so that's already set my ticker off. So if I go through it, uh, number one, Craig Gordon. Number two, Michael Smith. Number three, Stephen Kingsley. Number four, John Souter. Number five, Peter Hanning. Jamie Walker at seven still. Aaron McInef takes number eight. 
Liam Boyce, 10. Gary McKay, Stephen, 11. Ross Stewart, 13. 16, Andy Halliday. 17, Alex Cochran. Craig Halkett taking 19. Jordan Roberts, 20. Armand Nandwile, 21. Number 22 is Ewan Henderson. Harry Stone, who has, of course, joined Partick Thistle on loan, is 23. Scott McGill, 24. Cammy Logan, 25. Connor Smith, 27. Mihai Popescu, 28. The man, the myth, Daniel's legend, Lloyd Demure, 29. Josh Janelli at 30. And young Finlay Pollock wears number 38. Any noteworthy talking points in there for you, mate, with regards to the, the numbers? There's some big ones that I'll let you get to about missing numbers. Um, however, a massive one for me is just that Cami Logan took Jamie Brandon's number and Jamie Brandon hasn't been given a number. Yeah, I, I, he's still got a year left on his deal, hasn't he? Yep, he's still here. He's still kicking about. He's the new Lloyd Demure. This is no, it. No, he's not. He's going to be a wage thief. No. All oh, right, yeah, in that sense. Yeah, I thought you meant the redemption story. No, 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 no. How, how can he redeem himself without a squad number? Unless yeah, that's true. Unless he's taking number six or number nine. That's true. But yeah, the, those are the other big things are like obviously like McInerney taking eight. That's a more from Ollie Lee. Now that's vacant. Yeah, yeah, that's a more suitable number for him. Um, one of the biggest talking points that we mentioned last week is that Halkett has retired to twenty six for the season and has taken oh, the vacant nineteen from Andy Irvin. But yeah, there's there's two pretty important numbers missing. And number three, obviously, taken up by Stephen Kingsley as well, now that Eddie White's away. Oh yeah, of course. I've got that. Um, but no, I mean, you, you touched on one of the, the vacant numbers there. Um, six is obviously vacant following Christoph Berra's departure, but the, the headline grabber, if you will, is the fact that Hart and Midlothian are without a number nine, with Armin Nandwili taking 21, um, his previous number at Blackpool, which I... I find bizarre as a centre forward. Like, surely you he's lucky want, number. But surely you want number. that number nine? No, does that? No. Not just well, I I have like a weird thing because obviously Newcastle are my English team, and Mitrovic always wears forty five wherever he is because it adds up to nine. That's what he did. That was his number and elect when he was, oh, when he broke it. through, and he's a striker, so he's like four and five out, add up to nine. Nandwili is twenty one because it was apparently the number that he got his highest goal tally ever in a single season. So he was like... Oh, brilliant. So we're expecting 30 plus goals. I don't think he got 30. I think he got like 16. But... Jesus. I mean, I'll take... If Nandwili gets a 16 goals next season, I'll take that. Um, But yeah, the big question is... Because this is what happened last season as well. We didn't have a number nine until Nandwili came in in January. Are we going to fill that number nine top in the next month and a half? Thought so, surely. No? Robbie has said that he has looked at three or four attacking options. We don't know if that means wide players. So you'd go, they're probably not going to get number nine. Attacking options is very... um, Vague. Yes. (laughs) That's exactly the word that I was looking for. It escaped me there. So thanks for that. It's Um, all right. Yeah. I I mean, I I said again on, on Aaron's stream on Saturday when I was on that I feel as though we are a little bit light up top. I think mm. anything happens to either Boyce or Nandwili, then we've got you and Henderson, who, whilst is a decent young prospect, for me isn't you know the the finished article just yet. I would like to see a more senior striker available, um, but I mean we haven't really heard anything with regards to anybody coming in in that area, have we? 
No, and I, I'll be honest though, I quite like that. I like the fact that, again, we said it last week, Gino was kind of always going to sign. But I like the fact that Cochrane came out come absolutely nowhere. Like it was just like bang. I didn't like how last season, who was that boy? Oh, I can't even mind his name now. The the guy who will go is apparently signed before we signed Nandwale. The guy from Walsall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't like how that got out in the media and then apparently Walsall then asked for more money or wages to be restructured or something. And then like he that. signs for a championship looting and he's banging them in toward the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good laugh. But that but that's exactly the point. It's like when it gets out into the media, it can knacker it because it's like, all right, okay, we know we have more bargaining power because now everybody knows that you're in for him. So Yeah, we're gonna demand that higher fee and Yeah, one hundred percent. So I quite like the fact that and it's such a basic thing, but we never seem to do it. Just like keeping everything in-house. We'll obviously go on to it in a minute about the recruitment being completely restructured. And it's it just feels more... The word I was trying to think of earlier in the day when I heard about all these positions, it's like, it just feels like we're finally becoming like far more professional in this thing and modern with the way that we're actually bringing in people and doing our recruitment as opposed to just John Murray asking folk, going, have you got a left winger that we could have? (laughs) It does seem like there's some sort of like genuine strategy, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And that we've gone about it. I don't know whether we're taking inspiration from kind of other clubs and the way that they recruit. I think Mm -hmm. there's lots to be said for the likes of, you know, even if I'm viewing the summer, like Brentford's recruitment, for example, would probably be a leading light because they're not exactly a big club and now they're just in the Premier League after you know, knocking on the door for a couple seasons now, moved into that new stadium because of, I'm assuming, you know, fees amassed from player sales and what have you. So I think there's lots to be said and sort of inspiration to be taken from from other places. Um, with regards to number nine, what, what are you sort of hoping for within a centre forward? Would you look for a target man type? Do you think we need a poacher? Is there, you know, have you got sort of anybody, I, anybody in mind? As well, I suppose. I mean, I know it's obviously not up to us, but you know, there's. What I can't are you talking think... about? We are the hub. <laughs> we are the scouting <laughs> network for Heart and Midlothian. But I can't think of like any sort of any free agents or that where I'm like wondering why they've not been snapped up off the back of you know a, a particularly prolific season. There's nobody that's sort of ringing round in my head just now. Yeah, one hundred percent. I don't have anyone specifically, but I'd quite like just. It's weird because we do have... Boyce and Nandwale are so different, which is why we were so happy that Nandwale came in because he's a completely different option to Boyce. What that probably means is, though, you're going to sign someone that is similar to one or the other. Just because they're so different to each other, there's not really a middle grip. Like, because, for example, again, going back to Newcastle, when I think of traditional number nine, because of Newcastle, I just think of Shearer, which doesn't mean anything in modern day, because in modern day, Newcastle's number nines have been Dwight Gale, Obafemi Martins, and stuff like that, who are not like Shearer at all. But <laughs> They're polar opposite. Yeah, exactly. But when you think of a number nine, in my head, I just think of someone like Alan Shearer, just robust, kind of a poacher, but just a clinical finisher. I don't really care about their body type, because I think we've got Nandwale for the big target man to be able to hold it. Boyce, who's 
he's not small, but he's weird and Andrew, who is able to just kind of hold it up and be quite nippy. But then again, with a number nine, I don't associate that with like a wee tricky striker. Like I associate that with a bigger guy. All, all I care about, and this is the most obvious thing in the world, and you can't, you, you will never know this until you properly scout someone. And even then, you won't know when they come to your club. I just want somebody who you can rely on to contribute to goals. I don't necessarily mean direct goals, which is what I said about Nandoli. I wasn't really bothered if Nandoli came in in January and didn't score as long as he contributed to goals. He actually did both. He played 13 games and had 11 goal contributions with um, six assists and five goals. He did far better than I expected him to do without a preseason. A striker, I'd kind of just like the same as that. Just someone to come in and if he's not scoring, at least upping the amount of goals we score as a team. So Boyce is benefiting it, GMS is benefiting it, Janelli, Nandwale, Henderson, just it creates something that makes us better as a team. But that that's what you want from every player. Like You want every player that you sign to improve your team. I mean, we sort of touched on it earlier on as well. Obviously, now that nine's vacant, we're probably in the market for a striker. What other positions need filled for you? Centre-half. I think we need another centre-half. I don't think Halkett is like the worst thing in the world. Like some people, I think, kind of view him as. I think a lot of people are like, get rid of Halkett, he needs to go. I think Halkett's fine, but he's just not at the level of, Suter, Smith, or Kingsley, which make up the rest of the four slash five. Um, I think also with his deal up, he's got a point to prove. You know, he's sort mm-hmm. of drinking in the last chance saloon, isn't he, really, in terms of staying at hearts. I think, you know, say he performs really well up until January. We haven't extended his deal, and then clubs are sniffing. We're then in the driving seat in order to offer him a new deal because he's impressed, or if if he's not up to scratch, we can offload in January and potentially get somebody else in. You know, I've I think there's a couple sort of in that bracket, but he seems to be the main one that this is make or break for him this season. And whilst centre half is a priority for me as well, sometimes we could benefit from somebody wanting to stay and having that point to prove in order to sort of, I mean, there should be an incentive to perform, but that in itself is a massive, you know, pushing factor for me. Definitely. I, I fully agree. I, I'll be honest, I would be happy with just a set and a half coming in, even if they're just cover, because I worry that when we're playing this three at the back, if one of the three get hurt, it kind of, because it probably means that say one of the center halves, if Kingsley seems to be playing this kind of left, hand side of the three with Suter and Halkett swapping it kind of means that if one of them gets hurt, Smith moves into the middle to cover the vacant centre half spot and Janelli probably moves down into a wing back role potentially. But I was even thinking Haring moved to centre half That's true. potentially Halliday in the middle of the park. That is fair. I don't know I hadn't really thought of hearing in that position in first, but I, I guess I would just prefer hearing in the middle of the park. Yeah, no, so would I. So would I. So even if it is just cover, even if we just do another situation with Alex Cochran, obviously I'd love Jimmy Dunn, right? I would love Jimmy Dunn. As That's the hell that we're going to die on because there's, there's no chance of it happening. Exactly. I was discussing that with my, my work pal Lewis today. Obviously we were sort of talking about the fact that it seems to sort of be released in the press that Hearts will announce something 
within the coming week. And for me, I'd, I'd love for it to be a centre half first and foremost. But yeah. and and, it, and obviously Jimmy Dunn, but it's just heartbreaking, isn't it? It's not going to happen, is it? No. No. I mean, it's silence for Jimmy Dunn. <laughs> But like to move back so he can play in the middle with Haring. Come on. Well, I was going to move on because I'm sick of hearing about Lloyd de <laughs> <laughs> We um we could be potentially finding the new Jimmy Dunn. What with the appointments that Joe Savage is making, obviously or has made, I should say, since our last episode, three positions being filled. Um, Hearts women have got a new manager. Um, Eva Olid, the the I Spaniards. I don't I know if that's the correct pronunciation, but we'll, we'll go with that. Um, John McLaughlin becoming Academy Coaching Development Manager. Not that John McLaughlin, of course, he's still at Rangers. Um, that was that was quite funny, actually. <laughs> when I saw the uh, the clip is still game in particular, yeah. and, uh, I did about the replies, I thought <laughs> it was really good. Um, but the one I wanted to touch on uh, primarily was the new head of recruitment. William Lansfield is his name, 28 years of age. What do you know, Mr. McIver? Well, I'll in literally a sentence each, I'll cover the previous two. Really excited to see what Eva brings to the table. It's uh, a lot of amazing things on her CV. I think, I, I hope she'll do really well. Women's team has a really bright future. With John McLaughlin, I don't really know. He was at Celtics Academy, right? For a now period of time, I think. Now you're asking. I think he was at a Celtics Academy. I might know. be totally wrong with that, but... He obviously has a lot of pedigree in building youth. We've needed an overhaul in the academy for quite a while now. So, if Joseph is describing it as a definite coup, mm-hmm. yeah, then we're, we're taking his word for it 100%. Um, so yeah, hope he does well. However, absolutely, the big one is this William Lansfield. So, apparently, fluent in Italian, which after the weekend is a class sign. Like, let's just get Chiellini over. Come on. (laughs) Um, But the the actual bigger thing is that he spent like seven or eight years working in the Premiership down south. The biggest league in the world. He's been bringing through, particularly at Southampton, a really good group of young players, apparently. Was Um, he head scout? Yes, he was. Yeah. Yeah. That's massive. Like, to get for for us to get that, that is huge. We've got the head scout of a Premiership side. Like, and when I was talking about sort of ownership earlier on, and I, I gave Brentford as an example, Southampton are another one. Yeah. You know, you you look at their players of the past, and even, and I know that the running joke is that they're kind of the feeder club to Liverpool now, but picking up your Sadio Mane's, your Virgil Van Dyke's, your I don't know Graziano Pellas, like Saints, Lallana, Adam Lallana, yeah, like. I, I mean, even boys through the academy, everybody knows their academy is great, but sort of these foreign gadgets that you've not yeah. heard of, to then build them into prospects and sell them on, you know, I, I had no idea who Sadio Mane is for, for one. Yeah. Yeah. And and look at him now at Liverpool. It just is, is very encouraging. And I'm not saying that we'll sign the new Sadio Mane, but obviously it'll be on a much lower scale. Mm-hmm. But that certainly does seem a very exciting proposition. Definitely. Um, there was some people on Twitter, there's just seemed to be this rise suddenly in the last few weeks of just whatever hearts tweet, if it isn't a sign-in, 
there's at least 10 people in the comments going, what is the point of this? Why haven't we signed someone? And I couldn't understand it under this one because it's like he, we've brought in a guy who will help Who's us sign better players. Like, what? That's like going, right, I want a goal scorer. And it's like, right, uh, we've signed the guy who makes goal scorers. And it's like, yeah, but he's, he's not a goal scorer. It's like, I know, but look at the bigger picture here. And that's what I would say about Joe Savage. I, in my lifetime as being a Hearts fan, right, under the Chris Robinson era, under Romanoff, under Budge, right, it's been three different kind of ownerships and then the foundations could be the next one. Most of my life, just because when you're a kid, you don't care about, you don't really care about the goings on behind the scenes. Like, I knew nothing for most of my life. But hearing stuff, it's like for most, particularly Romanoff, it was mental, right? There's not a lot year of... Year after year of turmoil. Yeah, it? exactly. They alleged to him walking in on transfer deadline day going, who's the most expensive player in Scotland? We'll get him. <laughs> like, that attitude is insane. And in the last five years, we always say this, off the pitch stuff has been handled very well. New stand, the business side has been done very well, but the football side of it hasn't. Joe Savage has come in and it has kind of been the first time in my heart's life where I've really sat up and, and been made aware of someone coming in. I know it's the football department, but it's the back room aspect of it. And seemingly just ripping it up, going, no, we're, we're moving forward in a progressive way. Both these signings uh, to the men's team, Lansfield and McLaughlin, they felt like signings that we've seen other clubs make in the past where we go, why can we not do something like that? That's a really And good it's just move. bypassed us and whatever. 100%. Yeah. I, I genuinely have been really impressed with Joe Savage. I know it's not just Joe Savage doing this. I know Andrew McKinley will obviously be involved. Budge will be involved. We've got a board of directors. Joe Savage isn't just walking around with a blank checkbook going, right, I'm going to sign him. I'm going to bring him in. We're going to do that. But it's clear that Joe Savage is identifying these people to bring in, whether or not it's his final decision on whether or not they get to be brought in. He's the one going, look, I can get us him. I can get us him. I can get us this uh, woman for the female team. It's like, it just actually feels like we've got a competent person in charge of the football department that knows what he's doing. And an array of options, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than rather than having a sole target going after them and moving on. It seems like, and this is merely me speculating here, it seems like we've got a list of players that we're after in particular positions so that say one does fall through, we've instantly got somebody to move on to if the first one doesn't work out. Um, I, I, listen, I, I hope that's the case and I hope that there will be bodies to come in, obviously, on the field as well as off but talking on the field matters of course we will go into our second premier sports cup match um on the day of release actually we're recording the monday this podcast will be out the tuesday and cove rangers come to town um a legend will be at tyne castle once more but obviously i'll get to see paul hartley i knew i knew that's where that Um, was going that was the most predictable thing you've ever done on this show and i commend you for it that was exceptional well done thanks very much mate um but no of course 
Uh, Paul Hartley's co-Rangers team come to Tynecastle. Um, Hearts looking to to double their win tally, make it two wins from two and six points from six. Um, what are you anticipating from Cove? Because, look, I, I don't know a lot about Cove Rangers. I've had a look at the squad and I saw earlier on in the summer, I was really impressed by the business that they'd done and that they'd signed Ross Draper and Ian Vigers, who last season were just playing in the Premiership with Ross County. So... Added to Fraser Fivey, another recognisable name in there, former Dundee United, Wigan, Hibs midfielder. That trio in midfield certainly blows anything or should blow anything out of the water in League One. Um, but the rest of the team, I know of Mitch Meganson and big Rory McAllister up front, you know, kind of lower league uh, goal-scoring heroes. But this should be another victory for us, shouldn't it, really? It should be. Weirdly, though, I actually think this is the toughest game of the group. I think it's tougher than Inverness because they're just this bankrolled side for the Highlands who have rocked up and are just going like, aye, we're just going to be class. Um, They're a very attacking team. By all accounts, it's very much in that kind of... Which is weird because Hartley, I don't think, as a manager, is really known for that. Like... He's kind of more pragmatic in my view, whereas apparently at his time as Cove manager, he's just been going, we're just going, if we if you score three, we'll score four. But I don't know whether that was the case at Aloha and that he adopted that true. same approach to kind of get them out of the lower leagues. Maybe with Dundee, he was that little bit more conservative, but he'd still have sort of game changers in the final third. I don't know. That's, that's, that's fair. Just, no, that's that just is, an assumption. That's definitely fair. Um I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I don't think there'll be like Peter Head, for example, who'll sit in, even though they probably should away from home at us. They probably should sit in, but I don't know if they will. Obviously, they kind of had a shock loss to Sterling Albion. Yeah, did not see that coming. Yeah, 100%. Really surprising. Um, So there will be an element of they want to, because that's it. They're currently on no points. They want to be competing in this group. That's good in the group for us, I'd say. Yeah. Definitely. The, the, the Albion claiming the, the three points up there. Um, I, I don't know. Do, they, do you think they'll view it as kind of nothing really to lose? Yeah. Paul Hartley obviously knows the club inside out. And I, I know that it's a limited capacity crowd, but he'll be fully aware that even if you frustrate Hearts fans, then things become trickier for the 11 on the park. Yeah, definitely. It's... It, it's going to be that traditional Tynecastle thing of if we start really well, I think the fans will tip it over to us because Cove just won't be able to deal with us pushing them on. But yeah, if we're 20 minutes in and we've not even looked like scoring, then there'll be the booze. The be nerves the... kick in. It becomes yeah. that bit more tetchy. Yeah. So this is why I'm relying on you to be Mr. Positive because let's be honest, you're not really on this show, so I need you to flip reverse it. I'm optimistic till my optimism is drained out of me. Yeah, that's, but I that's, need that's you. That's the way I view it. I need you to be cheering for them, winning every ball, whenever Demure touches it, be standing and applauding and just keeping it going. I we need to be able to hear. Starts. Oh, oh my God. It's going to be an absolute dream. But we need Adam Kennedy to be heard at all times during the game. I'll be watching from the comfort of my own living room because I couldn't get a ticket. Mr. Kennedy was able to get a ticket. 
That's quite sad now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's <laughs> that, that's what Hart Midlothian is doing. They're splitting this podcast. Exactly. That's the intent. Because they've they know scumbags. They know that Demure is wanted by the general public and that we have brought it to them and they try to sabotage this. However, I think we should win. I'll be annoyed if we concede because it breaks Craig Gordon's record. Record, yeah. I don't know how many minutes. Is it a case of minutes to be? No, this it's it's record, or is it that he has to see the ninety out? He has to see the ninety out. I think. Oh dear, oh dear. Um, what what else was I going to say? Obviously, on the day of recording, we've announced the friendly with Sunderland. Do you think that it'll be? full strength against Cove and sort of kids against the Mackums or what, what are you anticipating there? I'd rather play the kids against Cove and play full strength <laughs> against the Mackums and just obliterate them. I know that friendly results mean nothing, but this friendly result means a lot <laughs> to me, all right? I will genuinely be gutted if we get beat. I genuinely, I've never seen Hearts play Sunderland. This is a completely new thing for me. I, I was discussing this with a couple of pals earlier on. I can remember Darren Bent scoring in a friendly at Tynecastle years back. And, and and I thought we got beat 1-0. But my pal Ewan that I go to the games with, he informs me that we drew one each and that David Abua scored our goal that day. Oh, that makes me so happy. I cannot tell you <laughs> how happy that, that makes me that Abua scored against them. But honestly, it genuinely matters more to me than the Cove game. It genuinely does. Because I'm right, like, well, oh. well, I was going to ask you for a prediction for the Cove game, but I'll ask you for predictions for both. <sighs> Why are you doing that to me? Because we're going to play the kids and we're going <laughs> to get battered. And look, I've got so many folk who are Sunderland fans who follow me on Twitter. You'll just see that they won't, <laughs> they won't look at the team that we play. We'll play the, the, we'll play the team that played against Preston Pans and Whitehill and all that. Get beat 9-0. And it'll be like, look, Hearts got battered 9-0. Ha, 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 ha. The Farmers. I'm going 2-0 again against Cove. Like that. And I want a 5-1 against <laughs> Sunderland. So I can say Hearts have beaten my two footballing rivalries 5-1. That's just not going to happen, is it? It's not. We're going to get battered 3-0 <laughs> or something. <laughs> what about you? What are you predicting for the Cove game? Um, I know you're not as invested in the Sunderland friendly as I Yeah, am. no, couldn't give a toss. Yeah. Um, I, I would still quite like to see us beat Sunderland because they are, by all accounts, absolute jobbers. Oh, they're um, the worst. They're the worst. Uh, I'll, I'll stick with this 3-0 bandwagon. I'll say we'll beat Cole 3-0. I'll be optimistic. I think this is a much trickier game than Peterhead mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Cove won League One. So... Yeah. Whether that's a decent gauge or not, I don't know. But we, we sh- listen, we should have enough to, to get past them. So I'm, I'm going 3-0 and hoping that the fans will roar us on. Um, as for the Sunderland game, all depends on the team that we've put out, yeah. doesn't it? I'll go... You know, I've got two each in my head for some reason. I'll go with that. I've absolutely no idea. Having the foggiest till start, but hey, that's that's part of the fun. Exactly. But yeah, so somehow we have managed to get this to like an hour and a bit. We were thinking, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. We're going to have nothing to speak about. But I'm actually quite chuffed with how we've done here. Well done. Listen, I was 
properly papping it, given that I was I was hosting. I was watching the game, thinking this is dead. There's no way it I'm going to be able to track this. It always happens you. It you does. Always get the games. <laughs> this is why I've been pushing you to permanently host. But the people were like, "No, no. <laughs> this is getting split down the middle." So fair enough. It is what it is. But yeah, we we've done well. I, I, I I'm pretty pleased, given. Do you know, it's, it's not been the most convincing hosted performance, a bit like the performance on Saturday, but job done and we move on. <laughs> I think you'd be very harsh on yourself. You were you were Peter Haring-esque in your Thanks performance as host. But yeah, so thank you very much for listening. This is obviously going out three hours before the Cove game starts. So <laughs> if you're listening, to it, I know that you're going, okay? Yes, Adam's going to the game. Hooray, I'm delighted. I hope we get beat. I hope we get beat. So your first game at Tynecastle is a loss. But we hope you have enjoyed. Look, hi, we're on YouTube and you can see us and you can see how my emotion about Luke Demur and Adam's anger at it. But yeah, if you want to actually watch us when we're speaking about all this rubbish, you can. Perto Paisley on YouTube. Please leave a like and subscribe. It really, really helps with the YouTube algorithm. We're also Perto Paisley on all the podcast platforms. Please leave us a review and share it on that. It helps the algorithms there. And it just showcases that you're enjoying the show, which we really hope you are. We're Perth to Paisley on all forms of social media. If you want to give us a message and stuff like that, all the links are down below, as well as the email address, perthtopaisley at gmail.com. Adam, it is on the screen, but for the audio listeners, where can they get you on social media? You can get me on all the socials at Adam T. Kendall and make sure that you also subscribe to the Perth Paisley YouTube channel in order to boost that sub count up. We want those numbers popping. What about yourself? Exactly. I am at dmckiver 22 We'll be back next week to discuss all the fallout of all the games that will have happened in that time. Hopefully it's went very well and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Get right behind your favourites. Let's make some noise! You've ruined it! <laughs> <laughs>